0: Is that? Is that any better? Find a place to put this. That'll work. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and meander over all the way really to verse 153. I say meander because, well, There's a lot of pages to get through. This morning we're just going to be looking at this one section in Psalm 119. Several months ago I was uh, meeting with some folks and we came to uh, walking together through some difficult situations they were in. And uh, we came to this passage. And in looking at this passage, I thought of you. The Lord brought you to mind. So, So I've been praying for you all regarding this passage. Maybe it's somebody in this room, maybe it's somebody downstairs, maybe it's somebody watching online, maybe it's not my concern to the whom. My concern is the impact of this passage. Psalm 119. Hopefully you're there. And let's read together. Look upon my affliction... And rescue me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause, redeem me, revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your mercies, O Lord, revive me. According to your ordinances, many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not turn aside from your testimonies. I behold the treacherous and loathe them, because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Let's pray. Father, we just sang how great a God you are. We sang about your name. Father, these things are far too wonderful for us to understand in its totality. Yet we cling to them, we grasp to them, onto them, for our very life. Father, we know that in return, you hold on to us. You wrap us in your everlasting arms and you protect us, you shield us, you comfort us. So, Father, in this short time we have this morning, we would ask for more than just a a sense of your love. We desire a greater revealing, a greater insight to who it is that you are. You are great and greatly to be praised. Father, we are in this place intentionally, purposefully. There's no random chance or accident in which we find ourselves in this very room. And so we ask that as you have been so kind in times past to meet us exactly where we are, that you would do so again today. Father, we... We need you, and so we pray that you would show us who it is that you are, Father. We thank you, and we do love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Psalm one nineteen, longest chapter in the Bible. It uh, it's an acrostic of sorts. Um, with the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And each one of these sections or portions in Psalm 119 correspond to one of the characters or letters of the alphabet. And each one of these sections has eight verses. It's the way the Holy Spirit laid it out. Remember that. Now, we don't know exactly... We, the collective we. We don't know exactly who wrote Psalm 119. It doesn't say a Psalm of David or a Song of Moses. Um, But we do want to remember that the Psalms are songs. So this is a song of sorts. It's a very long song. Something maybe done at a concert. We don't know. Well, again, we don't know who wrote this. It could have been David. There, there's great speculation that, that it was David. That um, and, and it occurred over the course of his life. It wasn't like he was, you know, we get the, the Sunday school flannel graph picture of David uh, sitting on the green hillside and the fluffy white sheep just just over there. And he's got his little harp and he's playing and that he's writing things down. It's, it's not so much that. But things that occurred over the course of his life. There's also speculation that that it was uh, maybe one of one of the individuals from the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. Doesn't matter what I think necessarily. And and if it were important, the who, then it would be captured for us. It would be unmistakable. So we don't necessarily know the who, but but we do know something about the who. About the who. About the individual that wrote this, this psalm, this rather lengthy psalm. And particular in this passage, it's, it's the letter Resh. Uh, for some of you, you may have in your Bibles um, what that pictograph looks like. Now remember the, the Hebrew language is written in, in these kind of um, obscure crazy kind of characters. It's not, um, it's not like letters that we would recognize. But these, these letters they, they tell a story. They, they paint pictures. They, there's so much behind them. And um, for those of you who haven't Googled what does the Hebrew character Resh look like up until this point, thank you for sticking with us, okay, and not meandering off. But if, uh, if you were to take your right hand and your index finger and point it to the sky like number one, so this is your opportunity to do something other than just be spoken to. You, you can actually do this, okay? Number one, right? And then you take that index finger and you just curl it down just a little bit. That's Resh. That's R. That's our R. Now, with the Hebrew language, they, they would, um, for their own reasons, omit vowels, per se. And so they would put little marks, jots, tittles, um on uh on these characters to give them um a different meaning or or a different um understanding. We're not going to get into that. You're doing well just with this R, okay? With this resh. So when you look at it, you think what what is it? Well the understanding is, is that it's to signify head, the head. You have the straight part is the neck, and then the curved part at the top. That's, that's the top of the head. Um, we'll, we'll see it kind of sprinkled throughout here, but but it's this idea of the head. So our writer. Our writer said, Resh. And, and, then, and then he, I say he, they continue to develop and use these thoughts of of R-type words. R in the Hebrew, right? Not not in English. So we said we don't know who exactly wrote this, but we do know about them. First thing we want to note is, is that they were situationally aware. They were situationally aware. They were in a tight spot. Next, we want to notice that they were self aware, that in this tight spot they had an emotional understanding. They really had a grasp of the the me conscious part of their being. They were really struggling. And then finally, we see that there was not only just a situational awareness, a self-awareness. and Yeah, the third one's going to begin with an S, too. They, the writer was spiritually aware. There was a spiritual awareness. As Ann and I were driving over here this morning, we were listening to uh, some teaching on the radio, and... Uh, the fellow was talking about GPS and um, that I found this fascinating that, but I was being situationally aware as I was driving, but I was also processing and thinking. I realize that's a challenge because we don't multitask as men, but we try. That when GPS was initially developed, it was to pinpoint where you were. And now it's expanded to help you get to where you're going, Right. But uh, when you're on your phone and you type in the address and you hit go and Siri in that outstanding British voice says starting route to wherever it is, right? That's how my phone is set up because I just dig that, man. I love that. I love that sound. But you, you've got this this dot, right, that's kind of blinking and and glowing or whatever that's you that's where you are and it helps GPS helps you get to where you're going well that's a bit of what we have going on here this morning in Psalm 119 verse 53 is is the writer says here's here's where I'm at and 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 look at this get this he is boldly Approaching the throne of grace, as we read about in Hebrews, right? And and it's not this swagger, right? That that's not the word. That's not the understanding in Hebrews, right? The boldly approach, to come swaggering into the throne room, and here's my list. That is not that. Not even close. It's the idea of plainly saying it all. That's this idea of boldly. And so the writer here centuries before that, right? The writer here is is saying, Lord, here's where I'm at. God, here is where I'm at. And so maybe that's you this morning. That um, you really need to uh, spend time with God saying, yeah, here's where I'm at. And I don't like it. Not even a little bit. And I want to be in a different place. Verse one fifty three. Look upon my affliction and rescue me, for I do not forget your law. Look upon my affliction. In the in the King James, it's it's consider. And and it's not it's It's not the aggravated parent in direct confrontation with the disobedient child. look at me when I talk to you it's not that it's not that it's 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 take a look at where I am look look at me look at look at this see me. You have the power, and this is this is the, the force of this word, right? You have the power, you have the power to see me. You have the ability to look at me. And more importantly, you have the power to do something about where I find myself. That's this word consider. You have the power to see, you have the power to look, but you also have the power to do something about it. Don't leave me where I am. And where am I? (laughs) In my affliction. An understanding of this word is in my misery, in my, really, my depression. Now, that's a strong, that's a strong, dark place to be. But that's where the writer finds himself, themselves. I keep saying to him, so forgive me. I, I think it's a guy, but I'm not here to argue that. We'll do that later. The writer is in a very dark place. And he finds himself really surrounded Uh, jump down, because we're we're just going to be kind of bouncing around because time is short. Look at um, verse 157. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries. 158. I behold the treacherous and loathe. (laughs) What a great word. Loathe them. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries. Every place the writer turns, he's in a tight spot. He's in a narrow spot. And not narrow in a good sense. Like, uh, like Jesus talked about, you know, broad is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to life. It's not that kind of narrow. It's, it's really between a rock and a hard place tight spot. And and he's saying, no matter where I look, there are people who are following me. They're not leaving me alone. That's that's this word, my persecutors. They're, They're following hard after me. In a positive sense, it's it's, it's like um, a bride chasing a groom. Uh, back in the days of the Civil War, uh, the American Civil War, uh, Israel had its own Civil War, but in the American Civil War, um, it was rather unique that officers would be afforded the opportunity to have their wives accompany them into, into battle not you know into the battlefield itself they would be in in the rear far removed but they would um, they would follow their husband to where he was going. They would have a tent set up and so when he was done his military obligations of the day, he could retire to his own tent he could be with his wife. his wife, literally leaving and giving up everything back home to be with her husband. That's in a positive sense. This is a negative sense. So, so the persecutor doing anything and everything to just be on this, this writer, like really like white on rice, right? Just dogging him, not giving him a moment's, a moment's rest. So that's this, the situation in which the writer finds themselves. So he says, look upon my affliction and rescue me. Rescue me. That's, that's him saying, here's where I am. I don't want to be here. I want to be in a very different place. Really, deliver me. Deliver me. Set me free. Now, there's a difference between um, liberty and freedom, right? Uh, freedom freedom is, is the being part of it, to be free. The liberty is the doing part. So freedom, the writer says here he wants to be rescued. He wants to be set free. He wants to be delivered. But for what purpose? So you got to think the next step, right? We can't just say freedom for, for the sake of freedom. Freedom for what purpose? Freedom to be about God's business. This word in the original has really this idea of being equipped for war. I don't want to be shackled. I don't want to be um, imprisoned by this situation. I want to be free so I can get at it, so I can fight. David Wilkerson. Some of you familiar with David Wilkerson, the Cross and the Switchblade. Yeah, a few. He uh, he has the, the, a snippet of a sermon. He, he he talks about people murmuring, murmur, murmur, murmur. Why has God made me this way? Or allowed this to happen? David says, "Put that all aside and instead make war. Make war. That's that's this idea. Is the writer here is said he, he's saying I'm miserable, and I don't want to be miserable. I want to be set free so I can make war. Make war on whom? Well, those individuals who have this." blatant disregard not a casual disinterest but a blatant disregard for who it is that god is and more and more so what god has said verse 154 plead my cause and redeem me revive me according to your word Plead my cause. It's not necessarily this idea of, um, of a court case, although it could be that in, in our minds, that's what we think, you know, plead, plead my cause. It's, it's not so much that. It's more the interaction between the parties. It's more the wrangling, the wrestling. That's really this, this word. He's saying, fight for me, because I can't, because I'm jacked up in this bad situation. That's really what the writer is saying. And, and he's saying this all with the backdrop, all in the context of, because it's according to your word. Now, three times we see this, this phrase, revive me, revive me, revive me. And its and it's really this idea of breathe into me. Breathe into me. Are you able to breathe this morning? Are you able to breathe? Are you in that spot where you're so afflicted? can't even breathe. You're in good company because you're not alone. Not alone. Praise God you're not alone. So the writer here says, revive me according to your word. Breathe into me your very breath. Your very breath. Sometimes we sing, breathe on me, breath of God. Breathe on me. This is breathe into me. Breathe into me, your very breath. That's, that's the word, word. It's not so much promise or commandment because of in the context here. Because the word is also used a little bit later on in this in this section. Breathe into me your breath. Because it's the breath of life. 155. Salvation is far from the wicked for they do not seek your statutes salvation it's it's that that great word yeshua joshua hosea similar similar words but this word salvation again again it's it's a picture it's the pictograph Chinese have have that similar kind of uh, writing style right language style where their characters really kind of tell a story paint a picture right so w- with this word salvation it's the first part of it is is the is the idea of, of a hand a hand you know a, a person's Fingers, palm, wrist, their hand. The second part of it is is this word um, or the idea rather of, of to separate, and and really kind of um, we all do it when we're biting into that Chick fil A sandwich. We bite into it and we separate that bit that's in our mouth from the part that's in the sandwich. That's that's this idea. Really, with the teeth, a, a biting, it's a very sharp, very exacting, very um, purposeful division. The third part of, of, of that is, um, the fir- third picture, rather, is is that of a nail. Okay? And then the fourth part of it, the fourth picture is, is the eye, is an eye, the organ. See how a nail separated through the hand. Get that? That's crazy. That's way back in the day. The writer here is saying that that those who are apart from God cannot be separated to him. They're already separated, but they're separated because they have no regard. They, they have contempt. They say there's no value in what God has said. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. And and notice that. They want to play by their own rules. They don't want to conform to God's rules. 156, great are your mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your ordinances. Revive me, quicken me, I think the King James says, quicken me according according to your ordinances. This one's a little a little difficult. But the writer here is saying, breathe into me because it's the right thing to do. Now we need to be careful with this. So don't meander too far. Don't wander too far down the path. Stick with the group. Breathe into me because it's the right thing to do. We know we have this intimate experience that God always does the right thing. Don't necessarily understand it. And sometimes, I think we can be honest, we don't necessarily agree with it. This situation in which I find myself is rather inconvenient for me at this time. Lord, could you have worked in a different way? Back to the Garden. Not the Garden of Eden, but the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus himself said, is there another way? Take this cup from me. And then there's this one word that Jesus says that is just so broad and wide and beautiful. He says, nevertheless. Nevertheless. Not my will, but your will. God always doing the right thing so the writer here in Psalm 119 says breathe into me give me life give me your life because it's the right thing to do now what kind of life is it of which we speak is it a physical life no I don't think so that's not the context here is it um, is it an emotional life Perhaps, because he's talking about being miserable. He's talking about being depressed. But I think more so, the writer here is, breathe into me this life that will not end. This everlasting life. Breathe into me because it's the right thing to do. You as judge, God, you as judge, have decided what is right and what is wrong. It's right for me to have this life that will never end. 157. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, yet I do not turn aside from your testimonies again we talked about this previous so we won't spend too much time here the writer everywhere he turn everywhere they turn he sees confrontation sees conflict sees friction i get friction sometimes can be good but in this case not so much he's looking for relief the writer is looking for peace that shalom right uh, that 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 great hebrew word yet i do not turn aside from your testimonies now we can talk about that narrow path in um in the land, there would be these uh, ways to get from one place to another. Right, these paths. They didn't have um, highways, blacktop, concrete, all the rest. There would be these dirt paths, and 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 the paths were were well worn because travelers would, uh, you know, spend a lot of time there. But the the area could be hilly, mountainous, um, uneven terrain, not flat and smooth, not a gradual incline. There would be switchbacks, you know, you know, you know switchback, going, kind of going backwards in order to go forwards because you need to kind of go up the mountain this way rather than going straight up, right? So these paths would be narrow, but there would be obstacles, rocks coming down from, from above, um, logs in the way, whatever, debris of some sort. And so the writer here is saying that when he walks, he's paying attention not only to where he's going, but also how he is going. I do not turn aside. I'm not turning to the right. I'm not trying to cut around. I stay the course. Catch that. Catch that. In spite of my misery, in spite of my misery, I'm staying the course. I am white-knuckling onto what it is you have said because what you have said is right and true and never, ever been wrong. That's what the writer is getting at. 158. I behold the treacherous and loathe them because they do not keep your word. Now, (laughs) earlier the writer said, revive me according to your word. This is the same word for word, the the same word. Very different context. They are not breathing in. They're not asking to breathe in. There's, There's just this, Rejection of the command of God. Now when we hear that word command, some of us bristle, right? Push back. We're like, oh, 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 oh wait, hold up. Command? That's like legalism and stuff. It's a boundary. It's not legalism. It's a boundary. Jesus himself said, commands are not grievous, not burdensome. They're not to weigh you down, they're to free you. It's all in perspective, it's all in understanding. 159, consider how I love your precepts we started out 153 consider my affliction now the writer says consider my affection consider my affection consider how i love your precepts revive me according revive me o lord according to your loving kindness breathe into me your breath Breathe into me because it's the right thing to do. Really, because you've decided it's the right thing to do. Now, breathe into me because you promised. Breathe into me because you promised. In your Bible, hopefully, that word Lord is in all capital letters. Hopefully, it should be. And it's that word, Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent one. And this is important, because when we see that word, Lord, in all caps like that, we want to think of, the promise, the agreement, the covenant that God made with his people. When we see God, we think of the creator aspect. See that word God, Elohim, right? But when we see Lord, it's Yahweh, Jehovah. It's the covenant aspect of God. A covenant is different than a contract. When we have the opportunity to counsel um, folks who are getting married, we, we talk about that a lot. We talk about this idea that the relationship into which you are entering is a covenant. It is not a contract. The difference between a covenant and a contract is that the contract is based on performance if you x we will y right if you build my house i will pay you for it if you fix my car i will pay you for it the covenant is very different the covenant is so different it's it's not based on performance it's based on your word. It's based on your promise. That's why it's so important to have that, that concept or that idea in, in a marriage relationship, especially because there will be times where the husband, he's not stellar. He just, I don't know what he's thinking, but he certainly wasn't thinking clearly. So because you didn't X, I'm not going to do Y. You broke our contract. What kind of sense does that even make? But yet we do it all the time. We do it all the time. But not with God. Never, ever with God. God says, I promise, and I will never, ever, ever break my promise. The writer in Psalm 119, he's miserable. He's miserable. And and, and he says, to the covenant-keeping God, breathe into me your life because you promised. You promised you would. And a boatload of years later the Apostle Paul said all his promises are yes and amen that's right all all every stinking single one of them all your promises are yes and amen. breathe into me your breath Breathe into me because it's the right thing to do. Not because I say it's right, because you already decided it was right. Breathe into me because you promised you would. Verse 160. Some of your word is truth and Every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. The entirety of what you've said. Uh, King James says this, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of the righteous judgments endureth forever. Thy word is true from the beginning, that's this idea of the head back to the index finger right from the head it flows it flows down every one the entirety the sum the the complete part and now the writer didn't have the opportunity that we have the entirety Of God's word from in to amen, from Genesis to Revelation. It's all true. True. What is truth? That was one of the great questions, right? Pilate asked. My good friend, I love this guy, Dave George. You guys know Dave? He gave me this great working definition of truth. The way things really are. It's truth. It's the definition. The way things really are. So when the writer found himself in this miserable place, this very depressive situation... It wasn't the way things really are. Yes, yes, His situation was very real. But God was able to deliver. And the writer says, Look at, look at me. Only you have the power to do something about it. So how about us? Are there eerie similarities to what we're reading today, to where we find ourselves? Are we afflicted? Are we afflicted in some way? Is there someone persecuting us, just dogging us? Just everywhere we turn, prowling around like a roaring lion, looking to devour. The GPS says, here's where you are. You've typed in where you want to be. Where do you want to be? Really, where do you want to be? The rescue that uh, you're begging God to provide is for what, what purpose, what end? Yeah. So we can be about his business, not so that I can just continue to live my life uninterrupted, but to be removed from that place, and set free, be at liberty, to have liberty, to do what it is he's called me to do. Breathe into me your breath. Breathe into me because it's the right thing. And breathe into me because you promised. Hope you get to experience and enjoy the breath of God. Let's pray. Father, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Father, we we confess we find ourselves desperate for who it is that you are. Father, we We are in constant need of a Savior. A Savior to guide us, to shepherd us, to watch over us. Father, we, we ask that um, we would enjoy the promise of your word, that your word gives life life abundantly. So we would ask, Lord, that you would um, just help us to have that sense of life today. Help us to appreciate our spiritual freedom so that we might be spiritually at work to build your beautiful kingdom. Father, we thank you. And we do love You. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.